Thank you for joining us for the third part in our end of the year 2021 wrap-up series. Today, we're going to be focusing on your talents, your unique talents as an individual, and how that is important in your development from an overwhelmed, stressed-out supervisor into a confident, empowered, authentic leader. So stay tuned. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. Okay, hello and welcome to episode 72 of My Circus, My Monkeys. We are on part three of a four-part series wrapping up 2021. So thank you for coming with us on this journey to hopefully make 2022 a more effective and less stressful for year for you and your team. And if you missed either of the first two parts of this series, I've created a page on our website that's going to house everything. And so you can get that at www.strengthsuniversity.org backslash 2021 wrap up. Okay, so we started this series talking about how most supervisors in higher ed simply don't get the training and support they need to be effective. And if that's you, it means that you're wasting valuable energy each day, frustrated at yourself and your team, because you don't know the best way to move forward and get the results that you want. So it's not for lack of effort or because there's something wrong with you. It's because you haven't gotten the right training to make sure you know what you need to know, develop the right skills, and implement what you've learned through effective systems. Most supervisors waste an entire day of their own personal productivity each week. And that's because if you don't have the right systems in place, you're not being productive. And your team is negatively impacted as well. When you don't have the right systems, your team members are only productive about 90 minutes each day. And that's so much time and more importantly, energy that's being wasted. So, Then we moved on to talk about how our brain actually works. And we've been taught that if we read the right books, watch a great webinar, or maybe take a class, we can be more productive. But the truth is, that really only connects with our conscious mind. And that's an important first step. But it is the subconscious mind that is really driving our thoughts, feelings, and our actions each day. Our subconscious mind is in charge of us 95 to 99% of the time. So if what you learned, no matter how amazing or potentially life-changing it is, doesn't actually make it to your subconscious, nothing's actually going to change. Things are not going to get better. Now, the subconscious learns through repetition. So once you know you need to improve, I should say once you know what you need to improve and get some reliable research-based information on what that should look like, The next step is to develop the right habits and systems. And when you do that, 
the right way of thinking, feeling, and acting, that's aligned with your goals, becomes automatic. And this means you're no longer wasting energy. When your systems are aligned with your goals and objectives, you get there more effectively and efficiently. And this means that you and your team can actually do less to get where you need to go. Can you, can you imagine that, doing less work and being more effective? That can actually happen if you get the right training and have the right support, one that works with your brain. Now, we figured out, or we found out, a little bit more about energy, habit systems, and how they're connected to our brain really works. So now I want to talk about how you can make the transition from overwhelmed supervisor, possibly getting close to burnout, to an authentic and effective leader, the one that you know is somewhere inside of you. So we've already talked a little bit today about why just taking a class, reading a book, watching a documentary, doing even a training doesn't always manifest and change. The other reason, and that's what I want to talk about today, is because most books and classes and trainings don't take into account your unique talents. I think many of us have attended or even provided sessions for students, events like how to manage your time better, improving your study skills, how to be more productive, things like that. And the problem is that most of the information presented is just general advice. In other words, it's things that people have found to be effective or can improve something, but it's not really focused on individuals and how to adapt it. And as as well-meaning as this advice is, even if it's based on, you know, actual data, not just opinions, it leaves you with the impression that they should work for you too. And the flip side is that if slash when they don't work, then you're left thinking that you're the problem. And I talked about this way back in the first segment of the series. Supervisors often feel less than or like imposters because the things that they try don't work for them. I tried blank and it didn't work, so there must be something wrong with me. But again, there's nothing wrong with you. The problem is everyone has different talents. Everyone. So when you go to a training or you read that book, whoever the presenter or author is, is going to view the topic from their own talent set. They'll frame their content as, this is how I found success, or these are things that have worked for me and or other people. And yes, those things probably did work for other people, but that doesn't mean that they're the best way for you to do it. And when we look at the literature around leadership, they often talk about different styles of leader or leader types, but that is not the same thing as looking at someone's talents and helping them make a customized plan for them to implement those better study skills, that better time management, or how to more effectively supervise. And I, as I mentioned last time, I don't really care about time management because energy is the real issue, but I just wanted to use these as an example of things that you may have tried at some point, but you didn't get the results that you wanted. So one of the most powerful tools that I have found for both identifying people's talents and giving them a meaningful framework to think about themselves and those talents is Clifton Strengths from Gallup. It used to be called Strengths Finder, or if you used it on campus, maybe Strengths Quest, but now it's Clifton Strengths or Clifton Strengths for Students. So my partner, Alicia, and I 
We used Clifton Strengths with students, faculty, and staff at the last institution we worked at together. And we really saw the impact that it could make both to individuals and to teams. And we were so impressed, we both became Gallup Certified Strengths Coaches. Now, people often use the word talents and strengths interchangeably, but we're going to talk about them as distinct things. Gallup defines a talent as a naturally recurring pattern of thought, feeling, or behavior that can be productively applied. Note the can be productively applied. A strength, on the other hand, is the ability to consistently produce a positive outcome through near-perfect performance in a specific task. So that's where the productivity piece really falls into place. When you're using your talents in a productive way, they're showing up as a strength. That seems pretty easy enough, right? Well, even though we've just defined talents, most people really don't understand how deep this goes. By this point in our life, our talents are running things from our subconscious. They show up on autopilot and color everything we do. The way you're interpreting this information that I'm sharing here is absolutely colored by your talents. And that means when someone presents something in a book class training, it could be interpreted in a different way other than what the author or presenter intended. And even if the content is based heavily on research, what that research shows is going to be interpreted differently depending on how we see the world. It also means that one person's best way to improve their productivity is going to vary much more or greatly than other people. And the same thing is true for leaders. Just by looking at how other people successfully lead their team is not going to give you what you need to lead your team successfully because there's a very good chance that you have different talents. So I want to go a little bit deeper here and talk about weaknesses. And maybe since we're talking about talents, you might be tempted to assume that weaknesses are just the things you're not talented at. And that can certainly be true. But let's do another definition. A weakness, per Gallup, is a shortage or misapplication of talent, skill, or knowledge that causes problems for you or others. So yes, absolutely. A shortage of talent, or not even having it, can definitely be a weakness. But what is more often the case is that you're misapplying the talents that you do have, or you don't yet have the right combination of skills and knowledge to properly support the talent that you have. And any of these things can play out as weaknesses when they cause a problem for you or others. And this may be that feeling of frustration that you have with yourself when you're doing that thing again that, you know, causes you to procrastinate or, you know, you know you're not being productive when you do it. Or maybe it's a weakness because it's impacting your ability to let your team get their jobs done. And people often think that the weakness of using a strengths-based approach is that it ignores people's weaknesses, ironically. But if you're doing it right, nothing could be further from the truth. You invest in your talents by learning what you need to know, developing the right skills, and using your talents in a way that help you be more productive. And we've been talking about that being effective piece for the last few days. And the productivity piece is just that. When you're productive, you're using your talents in an effective way that's aligned with your goals and objectives. Now, this very neatly fits into our discussion about energy. Because when you're using your talents productively, or 
as we strengths coach, coaches like to say, you're in your strength zone. It's the best possible use of your energy. You're accomplishing things in a way that maximizes that energy. That means you're using less of your energy to achieve more. But you're not just doing more. You're doing the things that are aligned with your goals. Now, when your talents are showing up as weaknesses, you may still be doing a lot of things, but those things aren't helping you reach your goals. And that's a problem. Now, I've been talking about strengths as a general concept. So let me give you a few specific examples to really help you understand what I'm talking about. And if you haven't taken Clifton Strengths, don't worry. I'm going to walk you through these examples and the talents that I'm specifically mentioning. Okay, so first, let's start with Woo. And that's actually an acronym. Ac- an acronym bleh. And it stands for winning others over. But the definition of, of Woo is, or I should say description, is people exceptionally talented in the Woo theme, love the challenge of meeting new people and winning them over. They derive satisfaction from breaking the ice and making a connection with someone. Does that sound like you or someone that you know? So all those things that I just said, that sounds good, right? Let's think of some situations where this could be really helpful. So maybe it's the beginning of the academic year. You're out there connecting with parents, students, new faculty members, Those connections are going to serve you well over the course of the school year because those folks are going to feel more comfortable coming to you for help. Or maybe you have a big open house that um, admissions is putting on and so all the departments have to go and help and support. Again, your ability to quickly connect and win people over is going to be an advantage. Those connections could very well mean higher enrollment. So how could this possibly waste energy or be a weakness? So remember, These behaviors and thoughts are automatic. They're coming from your subconscious. So that desire that you have to meet and connect with people is just going to call out to you. So if you're in your office trying to get project A finished and you hear folks in the the hallway talking, you're gonna just instinctively stick your head out and go join. And then suddenly it's an hour later and your project is an hour behind. Now, I've known and worked with many woos who like to bait their offices with candy to make more people stop by to connect. And that's not necessarily bad, but those are often the same people who complain that they can't get anything done because there's always people in their office. So remember how I talked about systems need to be aligned with our goals and and objectives. In this example, if your objective is to meet and connect with people, especially at the beginning of the year, then you nailed it. But if on another day your priority is getting a project done, then woo is showing up as a weakness and your energy is being used on things that aren't getting you anywhere near your goals. Let's do another one, analytical. People exceptionally talented in the analytical theme search for reasons and causes. They have the ability to think about all of the factors that might affect a situation. Does that sound like you? Folks with analytical are great if you want to assess a program or interpret a set of data. Let's say you just did a student satisfaction survey and your team needs to know what's working in your department and what isn't so you can make decisions about what changes you need. Analytical folks can buckle down in their office with that data, analyze it and present it to the team in a way that facilitates necessary change. And that's important because when you ignore the data, You continue to do things that waste resources, including you and your team's time. But how many surveys have you seen 
just get kind of, you read them once and then they're tossed aside because nobody really knows what to do with it. That's why analytical is so important. And that's an example of analytical being productive. But analytical folks can also fall into the trap of overanalyzing things. And so if you have a survey with a ton of questions, that's a lot of data that could be interpreted in many different ways. Or maybe you don't have all the data you'd like to make a decision. Either way, it can lead to analysis paralysis. In other words, you get stuck going over and over the data or wishing you had more of it instead of moving forward and making decisions. Most of us, realistically, could use more data analysis before making our decisions, but the flip side of that is analyzing the data itself isn't typically the end goal. The end goal is using that data to improve services or student success. So all that energy you're pouring into analysis after a certain point is wasted because it's not actually helping you get where you want to go. You're no longer being productive and are often holding up other people from doing their jobs. So one more example, harmony. People exceptionally talented in the harmony theme look for consensus. They don't enjoy conflict. Rather, they seek areas of agreement. And all of these descriptions are from Gallup. So I do want to clarify here that it doesn't mean that you necessarily avoid conflict, but you want to get everybody on the same page and move forward. Does this sound like you? So if you're using Harmony productively, it might look like this. You're having a staff meeting and you're discussing the plans for a new initiative. Everybody's come with their ideas and you lead them through a brainstorming session and then outlining what seems to make the most sense. There may be some disagreements about what would work best, but you don't shy away from that conversation. You may even allow people to do a little bit more research and come back in a few days before deciding which is the best way to go. You allow people to talk through their point of view, but then you tell your team that you need to move on. And if they can't come to a consensus themselves, you're more than willing to make that decision yourself so you can get a plan implemented. You've allowed your people to be heard. You've made strategic decisions based on the data and everyone's opinions. And then you've set up a structure for everyone to move forward and make progress on that initiative. Now, the flip side of that same scenario is because you don't enjoy conflict and you want consensus, you either ignore any conflict that might pop up or you just never make a decision because everyone hasn't agreed on one. So what does ignoring conflict look like? When someone has a worried look on their face, instinctually, instead of asking them, oh, do you see a problem? Do you have a a different point of view? You just kind of ignore it. Or if someone raises a concern, you say something along the lines of, let's cross that bridge when we get to it, or I don't think that's really going to be a problem, and you just move on. Basically, you're trying to get consensus by ignoring potential conflict. The flip side is you allow your team to go on and on and on about why they think they're right in the hopes that eventually everybody's going to come to consensus. But since everybody doesn't agree, you can't move forward. Again, this is all automatic pilot stuff. You're not consciously trying to do these things, but they happen nonetheless, and you and your team waste energy because people really aren't, aren't on board to begin with, so they don't put their best effort in, or maybe you didn't address potential problems ahead of time, or you're wasting energy by going back and forth without ever making a decision or implementing the thing that you needed to get done. So all of this goes back to that energy log we talked about in the first series. 
When you looked at what you're doing during the day, what time it happened, and how it impacted your energy, that gave you some really important information. But when you start factoring in how your talents are showing up as well, you start to get a really clear picture of where your energy is going every day. By looking at it through the lens of your talents, you also get a better idea of how your talents are helping you or getting in your way. And in reality, our talents are just systems of habits that are aligned to do blank well. So with our examples, if you have woo, you have a bunch of habits, aka a system, that allow you to easily connect with other people. If you have analytical, you have an internal system that allows you to easily analyze data. If you have harmony, you have an internal system that allows you to get consensus and move forward. So when these things show up as strengths, in other words, productively, it's the best use of your energy. Again, you're in the strength zone. But when these things show up as weaknesses, they waste your energy and probably your team's energy. So because all of this is happening in the subconscious, the only way you'll even know it's happening on a day-to-day basis is by starting to make those things conscious. I love the quote by Carl Jung, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. You are getting in your own way all of the time and you think that's just the way it is, but it's only the way it is now. It does not have to be that way. When you better understand your talents, how they show up for you, and the role they play in managing your energy, you'll be able to make changes to your autopilot setting so you become more productive on a daily basis. It's only by focusing on your talents that you can truly become an authentic leader. So like I mentioned last time, if you're worried you don't have enough time to start focusing on your energy, your systems, and your talents, you're thinking about this backwards. The reason you don't have enough time is because you're wasting your energy, you have inefficient systems, and your talents are showing up as weaknesses. Yes, absolutely. There are unreasonable demands from external sources. Yes, the amount of work you're being asked to do, probably the work from at least one other person who has quit or whose job doesn't exist anymore, is excessive. Yes, Maybe you don't have the staff you need to get done what is being asked of you and your department. But if you keep focusing on external factors, you forget that you actually have the power to change your circumstances. When you learn what supervisors need to focus on to be effective from research-based sources, when you invest in your talents so they show up more often as strengths, and then when you set up effective systems, you will move from overwhelmed supervisor to authentic leader. And as an authentic leader, you'll be able to assess your talents, habits, and systems and make changes so you can stop wasting energy. You'll be able to help your team members do the same thing. You can do less and accomplish more. You'll be able to cut out programs and tasks that waste you and your team's time and energy so you can focus on the things that will get you directly to your goals. And finally, you'll have the skills and confidence to advocate for your team and for yourself. But you need to make this change now before 2022 turns out to be just like 2020, 2021. Waiting for things to slow down or for some external miracle to save you from burnout leaves you stuck where you are, feeling overwhelmed and like a victim. You can make this change. You just need the right support. Now, in our last segment of our 2021 wrap-up series, I'm going to pull all of this together and give you a great resource to help you do exactly that. Transform into a confident, empowered, and authentic leader. 
If you're on our mailing list, be sure to check your email on Sunday. I'm also going to post this on Facebook, on my LinkedIn file, profile. And finally, if you want to get the entire series in one place, again, you can go to the page on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org backslash 2021 wrap up. The first three videos are already up, or I should say the first two videos are already up. Well, the videos that we've already done are up. That's what I'm saying. Um, And I'm going to post the last one on Sunday. So if you don't want 2022 to be like 2021, you need to watch or listen or read this entire series. So until next time, stay strong. And if you have any questions in the meantime or comments about what we've covered, please write them below if there's a below wherever you're consuming this or shoot me an email at ann at strengthsuniversity.org. And again, please share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links as well as other episodes on our website www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th. Go ahead and register now check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links as well as other episodes on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.